much a follower. What? Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. We're rolling now. We're live. Okay, that's good. We I, are live. I, I hope you captured that. No, we uh, that, that beginning part we captured, but okay. the rest of it is fine. I'm glad. But we are here um, in a very nice JLT apartment on this Sunday evening with the sun setting. It's actually a great view, not going to lie. And uh, with our Tim Hortons coffee, which I don't even know if mine is... Yeah, is still good. Still good. But no, it's... Um, See, I'm back. I told you guys I'd be consistent, kind of. So in the last time I was here, I was doing these. I, I said I was supposed to... Some of the, the last guys talked about consistency. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm definitely the beacon of consistency for my own platform. And I'm here preaching about consistency. So I said I'd be a bit more consistent. But here I am. Last week there was an episode. The week before there was an episode. Now we have another episode. Excellent. It was good. Well done. We're making progress here. Congratulations to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's you. good to be consistent. <laughs> it's also good to have substance to talk about. That's true. Right? That's true. Hence why I haven't been able to get one out every other week. But now we have some substance because... Well, you, you don't want to turn into one of those people who just, uh, you know, has form over substance. So you just interview, you know, I mean, not to think that I have some substance to say, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be talking about, but like, I'd like to, I'd like to think that there is some kind of substance to your podcasts, which is, you know, why it's such a privilege to be here, right? I, I, you're, you're flattering me too much. I mean, it's a privilege for you to, for me to get you on. Um, it's funny. It's a funny story. Okay, before I even get into the funny stories, the man we have here in front of me today, it's he's he's an incredible person number one number two i mean i followed him for a little while now and i was just in awe of kind of what he's been doing and what he's done and i was intrigued to see if there was more of the guy behind the social media and i really wanted to know more and um i reached out he responded in record time i may add and uh Fast forward a couple of weeks, and we're here today in his, again, very lovely apartment. I do love the cushions. You, you see, that's what I was doing. I was It was reverse psychology. I was flattering you so you can flatter me back. <laughs> Thank you, you for that. You, you don't <laughs> flatter me to flatter you. I'm going to flatter you anyway. I'm just messing with you. Uh, all good. But no, um, amazing guy. I, I was, After I heard his story, after we met, it was, it was a great meeting, and... I was just even more excited to get him on. So I was like, you know what? You give me your time. We go. We do this. He's gracious enough to give us his place to record. Otherwise, it's usually done elsewhere. But here we are. Uh, before I ramble on even more, I'm going to present to you the one and only... I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I keep messing it up. I've been practicing it the whole day. Did you just forget my name no, no, in your own interview? No, no, no. I haven't forgotten your name. I feel like that's what just happened. No, I haven't forgotten <laughs> your name. I've, I'm trying to... Not pronounce my it. last name. Pronounce your last name. Okay, so it's Rasamni is the last name. Rasamni. Okay, so Mr. Right. Rami Rami Rasamni. Thank on you. On the mic. Thank here. you. Hi, hi, everybody. <laughs> I hope this is going to go as fun as it has already started out. Right. <laughs> this is going to be exciting. It was a great setup, though. We spent thirty minutes trying to set this up. Brilliant. Brilliant. I I I've just realized I I end up beginning every podcast complaining about how it takes me so long to set up and how there are technical difficulties. I wonder the day. Is going to come where I don't have to talk about technical difficulties. I don't think that day ever comes. It's just never That's comes. Just, it's, it comes with the territory. I think everybody gets used to it. I think the day that it actually goes smooth sailing, people are going to be like, oh, this is going to be a terrible podcast. <laughs> he hasn't started out the it usual way. He hasn't set way, it up. Right? <laughs> it started out absolutely perfectly. That's just a bad sign. Yes. But no, if, 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 if the other ones are to go by, then this, is, this should be good. We made a breakthrough actually today. I'm actually using two mics rather than one. Um, Congratulations! Thank you very much. I think it's see the effect of you, your house. Just thank you. You're still flattering me. I love what I like this. I'm just gonna sit here and listen to you talk I could at just, me. I could just go for 45 minutes of just like, so he's this and he's that and he's this and he's that. But as I'm sipping my Tim Hortons coffee, is it good by the way? It's pretty good. It's decent it's coffee. It's yeah. Do you usually get it from Tim Hortons? Well, it's right downstairs, so yeah, I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Right. How did I even ask that question? <laughs> I was actually going to go to Starbucks. I really actually do prefer Starbucks, but um, this, this black coffee is not too bad. It's decent. It's decent. What's your favorite coffee bean? Co oh, wow. You just asked me, like, <laughs> you, what? I don't know. The, the one that goes in the espresso? <laughs> okay, I don't know. There, hey, there are, people, there are people that sit there and go, you know what? I actually like the Ethiopian one for the Kenyan one. And I turn around and go, what's the difference? Right. 
I, I don't I part- I don't know. I, I like the one that goes in good like coffee, right? I, I can tell you if it's a good coffee or a bad coffee, yeah, but I would have no idea if it's dark roast, light roast, came from Colombia or Africa or wherever, or I don't know, or Nepal, I could all be the same to me. But that's, but a good but a good coffee is a good coffee. Good coffee is good coffee. And and, and and to be fair, like neither Tim Hortons nor Starbucks are going to hit the ranks of good coffee. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's it's I would say it's it's standardized mediocrity. Right, so you Fair know, enough. you know that you're always going to get a crap coffee, but it's the same. But it's the same it's coffee same whether you have it in Seattle or Singapore. <laughs> so it's so so it's like so you never get disappointed, at least not more so than you would normally. Yeah, right? because you're not going to go to a, 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 a the Hong Kong Starbucks at the airport and go, man, it does not taste like the one in Singapore or in Dubai right. or in no, Melbourne. It, or it's or the same crap. It's the same one. It's brilliant. So what, then what, what is your favorite coffee? Oh, I'm sorry. By the way, is it is it okay that I say crap on this yeah, thing? Yeah, it's fine. Oh, okay, totally fine. It's sorry, a, it's sorry open, about that. It's an open. It's an open platform. I, I'm very sorry though. No, it's so okay. It's I hope fine. I didn't insult anybody or Starbucks. Or Star- Tim Hortons. We, we are not sponsored by Tim Hortons or Starbucks, by the way. Okay. As you can clearly tell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite coffee then? Uh, my favorite coffee? Um, I don't have a favorite coffee. I mean, I like it. Like, depends where I am. You know, I'm a bit of a coffee snob when it comes to, you know, I do. I oh, cool segue into into what I do. But, Go for it. Um, so I do. Uh, I, so I'm cli- I'm a climber, right? And I I do a lot of climbing in the Alps, and I love my you know Italian espresso. You can have it anywhere. It could be at the gas station or in a coffee shop or just some random person with a coffee machine. It always tastes epic. So when mm. I go climbing in, in, the, in the Alps, I always try to stick to the roots on the Italian side. Okay. Because at the huts, they always have like the great coffee. Wow. As opposed to the piss water they serve in Switzerland or France. <laughs> Sorry, my French and Swiss friends. But <laughs> you, both, you both know that I'm right. The, uh, the, the gauntlet has been... Gauntlet I, has been yes. I've dropped smashed. the gauntlet He's on on it. Alpine coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody wants to retaliate, please uh, direct all d- DMs to him. Don't at me, mm. at him. <laughs> right? No, it's a. But I mean, to be fair, yeah. So so when coffee is good, I'll have an espresso. That's what I like. Right. Uh, when coffee is mediocre, I'll have an americano, which is what I'm having now. So why did you ask me to bring you the mediocre coffee? Because there, because it won't be a good espresso, right? So you mm, might true. as well water it down uh, and make it last, right? Makes sense. Makes sense. Exactly. Of course. Then, okay. I think there's got to be a challenge now to find the best coffee in Dubai. I think that's that's. Is exact- there any Italian roast coffee in Dubai? Italian roast coffee. I don't know. Actually, there's one place I'll tell you. Um, there's a place called Gloss Italia, which okay. is in uh, which is in JLT. <clears throat> it's next to Almas Tower, and they are, they have the closest thing outside of Italy to a proper espresso. So I think it's time to try that. Yes. I think I need to try that. And I think Gloss Italia needs to sponsor me. <laughs> or at least give me a commission for that. But okay. it's the truth. Yeah, we can do that. And if you want to sponsor the show, you can do that. Please just get at me. I'm, yes. I'm there. We can sponsor the show. <laughs> and then we can give everybody the wonders of Italian coffee and espresso. Mm, for sure. But moving on, on to... Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, it's, that's like four minutes of coffee talk. Yes. Okay. But it's a good, it was a good start. Fantastic. Great start. So let's, let's, get, into, um, let's get into you because this is all about you. Okay. We're here to talk about you. Fantastic. Flatter you, which we've been doing. Thank you. There'll be more of that. I, I'm going to leave that thought for later. Um, I mean, let's let's go ahead. I mean, you start from the beginning, my man. Like, you've got a very interesting background, very interesting story. Right. And from what I the the summary that we had at the trade center the other day, let's 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 go into that and maybe okay. expand. All right. All right. So. Um, well, I guess I guess we start from uh, from the very very beginning. So I was uh, um, I was born in the UK to uh, to uh, parents of mixed backgrounds. Uh, my father is originally Lebanese, uh, but he was born in Liberia. My mother is uh, half Greek, half Turkish, but she was born in Libya and raised in Italy. Um, they met in Switzerland and where they went, where they both went to college and they learned how to ski together. So skiing was very much a part of their, of, you know, their, their kind of courtship, if you like. Nice. And, uh, and so when my brother and I were born, skiing was very much a part of our lives. Uh, we were kind of forced into it at a really young age. I was put on skis when I was two years and nine months old, which today would be child abuse. And, <laughs> Or, you know, right? Or, or in some cultures, this is how you learn. Or, yeah, exactly. In some cultures, this is how you learn, precisely. And, my, uh, and, and so, yeah, we, we, that was kind of my, my first um, step into the outdoors and into uh, life in the mountains. And probably why I feel very strongly about kind of the European Alps, which is where I do most of my climbing. It's because there's a strong childhood connection. 
Right. Anyway, fa- fast forward to, uh, you know, I, I had a pretty standard childhood, went to, you know, school and after that uni. But during my teenage years, I kind of transitioned from being somebody who was very kind of sporty in the outdoor sense, not in the school sports kind of sense. I hated football. I hated sports where I was, you know, in opposition to somebody else. It, I enjoyed skiing and kind of hiking and things like that because I found that it was very much and, and still is for me very much a kind of me versus me sport as opposed to a me versus somebody else you know your success when you're climbing doesn't depend on somebody else's failure right. um, whereas your success in football or most school sports like yeah. you know, and in physical education usually you're scored depending on how how much better or how much worse you fared as compared to somebody else so and that's kind of divorced from the outdoor experience um yeah, and then in, in high school, I kind of went the way that most, I mean, my generation, I call it the, the American Pie generation, right? We, okay. we, we were in that coming of age, teenagehood years when uh, America, like those American Pie movies were coming out. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and that kind of informed the way a lot of us thought high school and then college should go. It's all about drinking and girls and whatever. Partying. And, and partying yeah. and having, a, you know, having, having that kind of great time. And as I went from kind of my younger teens to my older teens, I very much followed that trend. So I was, um, I, I was drinking heavily. Um, I was eating really crap food. I was, uh, you know, and, 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 and what I noticed with myself compared to other people was that I was doing what everybody else was doing, but I was just, you know, unfortunate to have a slower metabolism. So where you saw, you know, where we were all going out and doing the exact same thing and living the exact same lifestyle, I was, you know, starting to become more and more overweight and less and less able to do some of the things that I enjoyed doing uh, at, a, at, a younger, at a younger age. So, you know, when I, by the time I had reached uh, the age of 18, or actually let's say 19, because that's when I really hit rock bottom, I was 110 kilos, um, wow. I was a chain smoker, I was a binge drinker, and I could not climb a flight of stairs, let alone think about ever going up any of, some, of these mountains that I had already done as a child and that I, was, that I later on would do in my adult life. Um, so that's kind of, uh, that's, that's where I came from. Um, I also, so I, so I went off to college, I studied law, uh, a subject that, you know, that I chose by process of elimination. Um, I didn't want to do anything maths related. So that killed engineering, medicine, and, <laughs> you know, uh, accounting or anything like that. And, uh, I figured that business would be something I would learn on the job if I ever chose to do something in that regard. So Fair. Um, the only vocation that you know, a young guy like in, in, in with my background, I don't know if you're, I'm sure you're familiar, but like Mediterranean and Arabic parents tend to you know want the lawyer or the engine. You know, oh, they, they, yeah. they won't buy marine biology or <laughs> no, or, or history. You that's, know? that's that's too out of the norm. That's too like exotic of a of a of exactly a profile, right. So. Exactly. So so I went with law, um, which I, I chose for myself. Nobody chose it for me. But I I think I was just being very conscientious about what I chose and. And so I did that. Um, I got two law degrees, and then I um, decided I didn't want to do this anymore. But that's a story for good uh, job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good <laughs> job, right? Work. All that, All that work. work. Good Great job. job. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, 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 it's it's been a, a really funny process for me because I kind of so I started out, if you like, in in you know with with the with the right kind of roots, if you if you like, my mm. my parents kind of. We're very keen on letting us explore the world the way we wanted to explore it. I think that that also was the reason that I went and kind of explored uh, some of the the darker elements of 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 what it is to be a young adult. Um, and but I but I also think that it was necessary uh, to bring me back to where I am today. Um, and it's a process that never ends. You know, it's a continuous thing. So I know the next question is going to be, what happened and how did you change your life? Right? How did that Right? No. Yeah. You're kind of you're shaking your head yeah, no, and nodding no, no, at the no, same no. time. I, 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 no, I was more I'm like, just, wow. You, you, then what am I here for? If you knew exactly what I'm going to, no. ask. I'm just gonna keep quiet. No, it's great. You know. You're 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 doing a great job smiling. So Thank you. Just, you. You just stay right there. I appreciate it. I'm kidding. I'm gonna keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm good uh, at something. Yes. No, you. I'm. Sh- no, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah. So so I guess what happened with me was um, when I was so I was 19. I remember this quite quite uh, clearly. I was 19 and I was. Um, going uh, like uh, I had skipped, you know, 
class to smoke cigarettes and I had <clears throat> left exams early because, you know, I wanted to smoke a cigarette or something like along those lines or I, I was always up for going out for a drink and it never, I, but one thing that never did happen was I never interrupted my sleep for something, you okay. know, and, and, and in the back of my head, I always thought, oh, well, I can stop whenever I want. This is more of a, like me having fun and kind of living the role, if you like, yeah. more than it is an addiction. <clears throat> And then in February 2007, or is it 2006, whenever it was, I was 19. Right. Um, <laughs> How old are you now? Right. I was, I'm 31. Right. So, You're uh, seven years older than me. Wow. Really? <laughs> 26. Yeah. Okay. So, so I was, um, uh, well, yeah. Uh, okay, son. So I was. Uh, <laughs> okay, dad. Yeah. You're welcome. So, so, so I was, um, I, wo- I, I woke up in the middle of the night um, and. I was craving a cigarette. There okay. it was. And I, I, I remember exactly what happened. I was in my apartment in London. I, was, uh, I, I reached out to, to my bedside lamp and I turned it on and I had this mirror that was right next to the bed. And I just kind of caught my own eye in the, in the mirror and I couldn't recognize myself. Wow. I really couldn't. I didn't know who I was. Um, I, I, like, I, all, you know, that, that, that whole idea that I could always go back to being that young kid you know who always wanted to be up in the hills and explore the world in that way um just felt like it was just kind of melting away and i could i couldn't even see him anymore and that scared the hell out of me wow um and it was that moment where i just took a a a subconscious decision um where i basically said you know this two things could happen here either something has to change dramatically or I'll be dead before I'm 30. <laughs> like, you know, I, it was, or maybe, maybe, maybe not that, you know, maybe not physically dead, but, but definitely dead in, in, in the sense of having, you know, the kind of purpose that I wanted from my yeah. life. Um, and, 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 and kind of how I saw myself exploring this world, that, that dream would be dead. Um, and thankfully I was able to take the, you know, the, the, the former decision and, and I went for it. The next morning I woke up like every other day. I went to the kitchen. I did my, my coffee, which at the time I used to do the instant coffee. I don't drink that anymore. That stuff will kill How you, by the you way. How could you do that? I mean, instant coffee will kill you guys. Don't drink instant coffee. It's the worst thing in the world to put in your stomach. So um, bad. Yeah. So, oh, we're back to coffee again. How did that happen? It's coffee. <laughs> right? So, so yeah. So, I, I, I made my, my instant coffee and I um, put a cigarette between my fingers as I usually would. Um, and I was looking out the window as I always do and I lit the cigarette and just as I was putting it towards my lips, something inside me just completely rejected everything. I just had this revulsion of myself, of what I was doing, mm-hmm. of this kind of lack of this, this victim, like victimizing myself, feeling like yeah, I'm yeah. like somehow I was fat because of my metabolism and I was smoking because whatever. And I was, you know, this, it's everybody else's fault and it's not my own. I just got revolted with myself and I, I put out that cigarette. I didn't puff it. And I, then I went to my, my closet and I pulled out all the cigarettes that I had stocked up from all the duty-free because in the UK it's really expensive. Yeah, like yeah. Five pounds 20 at the time Ugh. for a pack of 10. Um, no, pack of 20, right? And then I uh, and then I went to um, to my fridge and I pulled out all the the sodas and all the crap that I had filled my fridge with, and that was the end of that. Well, at least it was the end of it in the sense that I had taken the decision. But what happens after is it was you know every every mistake in the book. Like the first thing I did was I put on running shoes and I went for a one hour run. <laughs> and you know what happens to an overweight person who runs with no muscle at all in their body? Yeah, I can I can I can yeah. I can vouch for that. Yeah, how are your <laughs> knees, right? Yeah, not good. No, not, not good. Um, but I but I learned my lessons and I and I you know and I and I adapted. I started by crash dieting. Which is wrong, of course. Of course. Um, and I became something called skinny fat. I don't know if you. Ever I know heard what that is. Yeah, exactly, skinny fat. Exactly you know what, what that, that is, is right? Yeah. Um, so, so maybe for your audience, it's when you, it's when you're wearing a size small, but when you take off your t-shirt, you're still fat. Um, it's weird because you're you you feel, you know you're wearing a small you're just you're just fat on a smaller size. On a, yeah, yeah. It's which like, is it's like you're you're only fat in certain places. Like right. your frame is skinny. Right. But in just like in certain areas and very small areas, you're fat. But it's like. Is just enough to say that 
yeah, you're fat, but you're skinny at the same time. Right. It's that odd, really like middle ground where you can you can tell, but you can't tell. Exactly. I've never been there. I mean, I know people who have been there. Yeah. And I don't know what's worse, being actually fat or being skinny fat. Because right. when you're actually fat, at least you're mentally, you know, all right, I need to make a change. I need to lose the weight. But when you get skinny fat, you're like, it's almost like a mind game with you. You're like, on one hand, you can be saying, I'm fine. Look at me. I'm skinny. Right. It's all good. Right. But then you're really you're like, eh, got a bit of a gut there. Got a bit this year. And, you know, it was, it was a bit more than a dot, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it was, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's what happens. And, and, I, and I learned. So like then, some, and then I realized that, okay, I need to actually do some, some kind of trainings that would enable me to uh, build a little bit of muscle. And I started to do that. Um, and I started with weights, which then I realized was not for me. And I, then I eventually, like over time, I moved into body weight exercises. Um, and it was, it was, um, largely influenced by my starting to do climbing and in, uh, indoor climbing gyms. Mm. Um, I, I, the first time I ever climbed was in 2009 in Egypt. Um, I wow. did a, well, I mean, in my adult life, I had done some climbing at, like when I was a young, when I was younger, but in my adult life, it was 2009. I was in Egypt and I did some climbing over there, fell in love with it. And then just kind of adopted, uh, wall climbing as like, as my sport. And when you do that, that immediately starts to put you in the, at least to my mind, in the right kind of frame of mind as to what it means to be fit. It's about being functional. It's about being able to use your body for the things that you want it. You know, it's not just about aesthetics. It's about um, usage. It's about how you want to use your body in the world. Um, and this, and, and then climbing kind of led me to mountaineering and mountaineering is where I'm at right now. So we're the mountain man. Right. <laughs> Basically the mountain right. man. So, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, it's just, just hearing all that, you know, you, you, you sound like kind of go like, wow, you know, where you were 10, 10, 12 years ago, 10, right. 15 years ago. And then where you've come now, it's, I mean, I, I, when we were talking off air, I saw, I saw the pictures yeah. and I was like, is that, is that the same guy? Are you sure that's the same guy? I mean, cause, uh, it's the you same don't guy. look the same. You look like two different people. Could be your, you like your brother. You trust know? me, trust me. It's the same guy, and you know what? That guy uh, lives with me uh, till this day. You know, and and he'll and he'll never leave. He'll always be there um, because he's very much a part of why I am the way I am today. Hmm. So a lot of I I know that a lot of people say, "Oh, is that a part of your life that you want to forget?" And the truth is that it's a part of my life that motivates me to go further and push you know push more. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Although at the time I probably hated myself yeah um but it's so important to know what that feels like because then you'll never go back yeah no i i totally agree i mean uh i kind of relate to to a small extent related to myself i was the same i had that same you know you woke up in the middle of the night looked at that mirror and went you know what the hell's going on i was at a mall i just finished watching a movie with some friends and i walked past a, a store and there was a mirror and i just looked left out of chance and there was i remember that moment it was 1 30 a.m in the middle of Dubai Festival City and I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? You know, like, <laughs> right. I've, got, I've got to make that change. Yeah. And again, I was the same. I was like 95, 96 kilos. I was overweight. I didn't care how I dressed. I remember that day. I remember clearly what I was wearing that day. I was wearing an oversized, extra, extra large blue t-shirt. I was wearing three-quarter basketball shorts and I was wearing some sort of weird colored sneakers at the same time. And I was like, what, what am I doing? Am I going to live like this for the rest of my life? Yeah. You know, and just that one moment went me to go from, all right, <clears throat> got to change my life. And in 2014 to now, you know, there's been, I mean, it's been an up and down. It's been a cycle, but a lot has changed from then. I've lost all my hair since that time when I was. 17. I'm losing my hair just so, you know, so yeah. Mate, I lost mine at 17. I've been I, like this since I was I've 17. been losing my hair since I was 12. My bald spot for, I'm, I'm screwed on both sides. My both, like my, my, my father my, and my mom's brothers all don't have hair. It's exactly so the same. So I'm like, I, you know, it's a matter of I time. have like, I have about 20 cousins. Right. Right. Because I've got 11 aunts and uncles just on my mom's side. That's fantastic. And the two. I have um, 10, by the way. Oh, so we, so know, we relate. We know, we relate. Yeah. Two of my uncles, they both don't have hair. And um, my dad's side doesn't have hair. And so. But out of all the cousins on my mom's side, the first sons all lost their hair besides one. Okay. And he still has his hair and he's like 34, 35. So there's hope. So him. he's hope for him. Okay. The rest of us have lost, we're screwed, we lost screwed. hair. One yeah. of my cousins actually got a, uh, a transplant done. Mm -hmm. So he's got his hair back now, but mm -hmm. he was also in the same vein. 
And um, I wonder what that's like. I thought about doing the hair transplant thing like for a while, and then I kind of accepted that this is my fate. But I don't know. Every now and then, I do go back to it and think, hmm, it'll be interesting. Plus, I don't know if you know how they do the transplant, but they take hair they, from the back, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So for a while, you have this kind of um, this weird like thing that <laughs> you stick on the back of the head because they pull the roots pull out. Pull the roots out, yeah. yeah. And uh, it looks a lot like um, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever watched um, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. There's um there's the guy who's in charge of Cloud City security, okay, and he wears this thing that goes around the, the around the cor- his head, and it looks super awesome. And every time I see those people, I'm like, oh my god, those that's he's one of them. You could be that guy for you a while. You could be that guy for a while, right? But I, I don't know if it's still cool to think that way when you're 31. But I don't know. I mean, even at 26, it's a bit of a stretch, I right? Mean, like. I, I've been, I mean, I've been told, like, you know, why don't you just, you know, my, my, some of my family's like, just get a hair transplant, man, just do it. Yeah. There was a long time, and the funny thing is when I was 17, 16, yeah. I had long hair. And it was the best. I loved my long hair. It was amazing and, and everything. I loved it. And then when it started falling out, and then I, I had this huge ball patch at the top of my head, it all went away, and I just went, oh, my God, what am I going to do now, you know? And and, and then my, my hair was everything. My hair was <laughs> yeah. my confidence yeah. and, 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 and everything. And I remember I, I cut it short-ish, you know, I kept like a faux hawk going thing going on, cover the middle. There was it was two thousand and eight, nine, ten ish time. I mean, whenever I was seventeen around then, I did. I was David Beckham was doing the faux hawk at the time, so I was like, right, that's what I want to do, you know. And I did it, and then after a while, it just kept falling out, kept falling out. And I went, I've got to take this off. So before I and while I was at uni. I didn't accept it even at uni, and that was like 2012 to 14, and I still kept whatever hair I had left long, mm. but you could definitely see like the patches. As soon as I left uni, I went, and that was obviously when I left uni was the time I realized I need to lose weight, I need to do everything. Right. And that's, I cut my hair off, hmm. and it's taken me a little while, but I've kind of accepted the fact that I don't have any hair, and... I've got to make it work somehow. My inspiration is... You're ju- doing fine. You, you, you look just great. Appreciate worry, it. Man. Thank you yes. so much. You're welcome. It's just not because we're on there. I mean, I didn't pay you under the table to No, say, you, you know, well, maybe a little bit. No, but <laughs> I'm, just, you know. I'm kidding. It's, yeah. Um, no, so, I mean, like one, one of the, I mean, I look at Jason Statham, and he, him and me have the same hairline, where oh, we've just sorry. got, we've got the same... <laughs> are, you, are you trying to sell this to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's more of a mental thing with myself where I'm like, oh, we've got the same hairline. It's, it's, like, it's like me going, well, you know, if you look at Bruce Willis, right? <laughs> yeah, like, you know. Exactly. He makes it work. So can I. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, man, if it, if it helps you sleep at night, why not, you know? <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm not judging. You definitely, Jason Stratham is... Yeah, let's, let's let's. I don't even know how, how do you pronounce. Is it Stratham? How do you pronounce Statham. his last name? Stratham. It's S T A T H A. Why would you have such a complicated last name? They all have. He's English. Is that it's from where you're from? Yeah, but that's that's a, that's such a complicated name. Jason Statham. 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 It's a very. I've never. Heard, I've not heard anybody else with a last name like that. Yeah, it's one of those things. But uh, no, but see, look, he's got his life in order. He's got the Victoria's Secret model girlfriend, and I mean, you've done well for yourself. I mean, so I would really, even if you lost your hair today, would she leave you if you lost your hair today? Uh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> if she ever does listen to it's, this, it's very possible. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Although she has mentioned once, hey baby, would you like to get a hair transplant? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no. no. And she goes, are you sure? <laughs> which is which is girl code for I will leave you if you don't do exactly what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> right. See, I don't have that problem yet. Yes. I mean, I don't even have the hair, so you know that's that's another story. But at least you got her before your hair fell out. Right. No. Well, it's a, it's a double edged sword, really, because if you get her when you're not when you're already bald, then there's no there's no chance uh, of like circumstances changing. <laughs> changing. It's true. Uh, for her to see you in a different way. Whereas if you have her with the hair, it's kind of like okay, well then you lose the hair, and she's like, well, you know, I didn't sign up for this. But, <laughs> right. But at least it's uh, but at least it's further down the line where it's too late to go back. Kind yeah. of. Listen, I, you're getting me in a lot of trouble. So let's move I'm on. So <laughs> Listen, I'll take one for the team. Yes. It's on me. That's I'll all. Take it's that your one. fault. That's okay. good. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, to continue the stories, um, yeah. So that's you. Where you? That's how you got to mountaineering. That's that yeah. It's. it's I mean, it, 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 uh, there were lots of kind of. I mean, obviously, no path is is, is just straight. You know, like that. But it, it's within that trajectory is kind of what what happened more or less. Um, 
And I took my first step into mountaineering. So actually, I'll tell you a really funny story. Go this is it. actually, this is, well, it's not a funny story. It's a serious story, but it, it happened in an interesting context. <laughs> so like a month ago, no, not a month ago. What am I talking about? It was in November. What are we now? May. May. Wow. Okay. So six, definitely not a month ago. ago. So six months ago. It's like two years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. So six months ago, I was invited to give a talk in Kuwait. Um, at a an outdoor uh, adventure kind I of weirdly expo. remember the stories from that <clears> one. <throat> I don't know why I remember you were sitting outside. It was dark. It was a fire. I think or something behind you, like some sort of like just bright light. Everyone was sitting in like rows of like chairs like this. I think you were having a dream. Okay, I'm joking. It's true. Actually, there was it was like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I was uh, yeah. So I was giving a talk, and it was Rida and I. We both were giving this talk. Um, but at one point, uh, and, we were, and we were talking a lot about kind of our, um, our experiences in the outdoors, and I was talking specifically about my mountaineering and how I came to it, a lot of what I'm saying right now. And, um, and then one of the younger guys in the question and answer session, because I, I'm not a, I'm not, I personally, uh, I'm a, an alpine mountaineer. Um, and that's different from a, a, if you like, a seven summiteer or a, or kind of an expedition climber, um, in because an alpine mountaineer is a, it's it's about se- being self sufficient. So I'm not necessarily interested in, um, in you know, being on the tops of the first of the highest mountains because I don't necessarily find them being the, the challenges that call me. Uh, I I climb more on difficult grade climbing. Which is uh, which is cli- which are climbs that entail um, uh, a great deal of, of technical ability, and uh, and usually it's two people to a rope party, so it's myself and my climbing partner, and it's uh, it's very tough, uh, very tough sections that are. It's not necessarily just about the altitude; it's about the actual pitch that we're climbing. Okay. So we have a lot of that in the Alps, a lot of very difficult climbs that I that I particularly enjoy, which on a on a on a technical difficulty level right. are far more difficult than climbing some of these seven summits that people uh, often hear about. Not to say that those aren't difficult, but they're difficult more in an enduring sense um, and an exposure sense as opposed to a technical sense. Um, taking Everest, for example, there is no point on 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 Everest, bar the Hillary step, where okay. you actually need to put your hands on the rocks, right? Whereas if you're climbing a mountain, as you know, like off the top of my head, a very not 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 an extremely technical mountain, but something like the Matterhorn, for instance, that is a more difficult technical climb, although it's a mountain that is half the. The, the, the altitude of, of the summit of Everest. So in any case, um, so I was giving uh, a talk about kind of what that kind of climbing entails and, and all of that. And this kid stands up and he says, um, oh, you know, I want to climb Everest. What do I do? And at the very front row, there were a group of climbers who were from, who were, who were supposed to come and give a talk after me. And they, right. were, they were talking about um, summiting Everest, right? Uh, they, they, had all, they had all summited Everest. And, and so one of them turns around and says, well, why do you want to go to Everest? And he says, because it's the highest and I want to be the first whatever. I don't remember what he said. The first whatever to, to summit Everest. And and so then you know as as Everest climbers do uh, they they go off on a they, they, she went off on the, or the person went off on on this whole thing about how you you know your your motivation is wrong and that you sh- you know says all the all kind of all the politically correct yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. about you know about how it sh- should be you know, it shouldn't be about being the first whatever to climb Everest and whatever although everybody at the front was the first something to, <laughs> to summit Everest and and then I I kind of waited for that exchange to finish and then I finally interjected and I said to the kid I said um, you know when I first went to Kilimanjaro I my motivation was entirely what your motivation is it was to climb Everest and to be the first person to do whatever you know the first whatever to climb Everest and fill in the blank because now like now most of the nationalities are done now so now it's like the, it's the first vegan to climb Everest right <laughs> you could be the you first know? lawyer from the from London Switzerland right Lebanon, exactly whatever, like whatever whatever to yeah climb. yeah exactly it's the, the first person to fart his way up Everest <laughs> I don't know like you you you, you that's you fill in the blank yeah and and so um I I said yeah that's what happened that's that so when I went to Kilimanjaro I was a thousand percent um, thinking about uh, how I wanted to just go to Ever- to Kilimanjaro, and then after that I'm going to go to Elbrus, and then after that I'm going to go to Aconcagua, and eventually I'll hit all the seven summits, and that was my motivation. Until I went to Kilimanjaro, and it destroyed me. 
it absolutely destroyed me. Imagine an easy mountain like Kilimanjaro or what, what would, is largely considered an easy mountain, although I can tell you right now after having summited it five times that it is not an easy mountain. Um, that, but like a, a technically easy mountain like Kilimanjaro could tear apart somebody who had been a proper wall climber and an outdoorsman since the age of two years and nine months. Wow. And, uh, and it was largely because of my motivations were wrong. Um, I went there with a giant ego thinking that this was going to be a walk in the park and guess what? It, it literally handed me my ass. And, uh, but I don't regret it because the mountain taught me the lesson. And then the mountain put me on the right path. And eventually I found myself in Chamonix where I found an incredible mentor who guided me along my mountaineering career. And, has, and, and, and I think where I am now is, has largely been shaped by my, by, by, by first of all, the wrong, deci- the, the wrong motivation to climb Kilimanjaro. So, wow. I, so I told the kid and I said, listen, you know what? You, whatever motivates you to get outdoors, go with it. You'll learn lessons. You know, you're not going to stay the way you are right now. Yeah, it'll change. Um, the only advice I can give you is to be open to the lessons. Don't be stubborn. Don't think that, you know, because you set out with a certain set of ideas as to how this is going to go, that it can't be changed. It absolutely can. And based on that, I would say go for it. If this is your motivation today, absolutely go for it. Because I would be, I would be such a hypocrite. If I were to stand here in front of you and tell you, oh, your motivations were wrong, because my bo- my motivations were wrong. But guess what? It took me to a place I think is, I'm in a pretty good place right now. Yeah. And had I not listened to my gut at the time, even if it was wrong, I wouldn't have learned the lessons that I did. So, um, so yeah, so that's how, that's how I kind of ended up, and, and, and using this story, that's how I ended up in my, um, in, in my kind of uh, 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 field of, of alpine uh, climbing. Uh, and in mountaineering, it was because um, I, I left Kilimanjaro realizing that I needed to find a teacher, hmm. um, somebody who could really guide me in the hills. And I found myself in Chamonix in France where I met an incredible climber called, um, his name is Greg Sauger. He's been uh, my climbing mentor for many, many years now. Uh, we've done many, many ascents together. And, uh, and he really taught me uh, what it is to be a self-sufficient climber Wow. Um, he he showed me, uh, you know, the, a different side of mountaineering that a lot of people in our region don't necessarily appreciate because a lot of people think, well, once you hit the seven summits, you know, what else is there to do? Actually, the seven summits, I can tell you right now, there are mountains that I've done in the Alps that Everest summiteers, guides will not take them there. Wow. Because... because um, they are. They don't have the technical skill to do it. It's not to say that Everest is, or 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 the seven summits are easy. They're not. But they're but they're not technically difficult. And there's a difference between expedition climbing, which is where you go with these large groups, where you have local guides who go and fix ropes for you, where you've got a you know giant you know like a, a huge cohort of individuals who are there to support your food your oxygen tanks your 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 safety lines your ladders to cross crevasses and all of that and when you're climbing as pair in a pair where it's you and one other guy and you've got everything that you need on your own back and you have to be fast and light and you don't have that kind of weighted out support which is a very different kind of style um, I go back and say no one way is right or wrong, but they both are different. They're, they're, I would almost say they're different sports entirely. And I'm very much in the alpine mountaineer um, uh, sphere, which I don't think is fully appreciated in our part of the world. Shout out to Greg. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. You do all that. I mean, yeah. That's the first thing I can think of is shout out to Greg. Greg is an awesome guy. You know, um, he, he honestly, he was, it's so funny. The first time I ever met him, uh, the first thing he told me and, and my and my cousin, who's my climbing partner, Ryan, he said, uh, "You guys need to shut up. You're like little girls in the mountain." <laughs> um, it was so funny, and because and it's, and it's the truth, you know. We were the Mediterranean. We're loud and we like to talk and what and you know. And he's and the French climbers and the Swiss climbers and the Italian climbers they're very serious in the well, the Italians less so than the other two, but they're very they're very serious in the mountains, you know. Yeah. And. Yeah, you, you learn a different, it's a different way of, uh, of, of, of interacting with the mountain. You learn about how to read the signs. You learn about how to really be up there on your own. 
Wow. Um, and that's an incredible thing. And, and when you learn how to do that, the lessons that you learn from the mountain, you can apply them everywhere in life. And you really do, um, you, you really find it. I always say it's very tough to find an asshole in the mountains um, because they're all on Everest. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I don't mean that, guys. It was a joke. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it, it, because, because the lessons that you learn up there are incredible and the people that you find over there are super humble they, they've learned you know they've they've learned how how to how to be in these very harsh environments one of the most incredible things that happens when we're out there is that we are uh you know if you go to the mountain huts which is the which in the alps you have these huts that support the summits right yeah. so you spend the night in the hut where you, you you have dinner you sleep and then you go up to the summit uh early the next morning so um in these mountain huts one of the traditions that you have is that everybody dines together. Okay. So usually at 6.30, everybody in the hut comes down to the mess hall where there are usually a few long tables. Everybody sits together. You don't know who they are. You don't know anybody. You just sit on this table and you sit and you, and you have dinner together. And everybody is on the level. Everybody is, exact, is, is an equal. Um, and you can be sitting across the table from famous mountaineers you know, I wow. sat I sat across the table from a, from a famous uh, French mountaineer called Bernard Muller, who was, you know, giving me advice about uh, about the the crevasse danger uh, on a certain section of this climb that we were going to do, uh, where we had to cross the the Allelinhorn Glacier, and you know, I and, and it's 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 like it's like if you were in you know in in, in the business world when you're sitting across from Warren Buffett yeah. and he's just going to have a chat with you and give you some you know some one to one advice. You, you take it all day. You take it. And you and you just uh, but but it's a, it's a very humbling experience because you know Bernard Muller is in his seventies and we're you know and, and we're we're young climbers like when that, when that happened I was in my twenties and you 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 just it's it's such a humbling experience because you, you feel like if I was you know my life goal is to be that old and be doing you know still be up Some here mountain, like yeah. that's just that's just crazy impressive and you and you meet incredible people like uh, simple people complicated people all sorts of people it's just that when you're up there there are there are no barriers everybody's a mountaineer you know and that's an amazing thing that's great it just it just sounds like you know once you go up your first mountain it just humbles you it just it just brings you back down to earth and and everything you thought that you had or you you understood is just suddenly becomes hundred percent. Oh, like oh well, I got that completely wrong. So I'm gonna throw back a question at you now. Sure. And I'm gonna ask you. You've done quite a few mountains, as you've said. Yeah. You've, you've been around the world. You've done a lot of things. What is the difference for you between like climbing a mountain or ex you know having an expedition in, in the Asian mountains, the European mountains, the American South American mountains, the American mountains? Like, is there what's that distinct difference do you feel mm. it, it, it doesn't even have to be like a factual thing to you what is it like going in the you know the south american ones or the asian ones or the european ones or yeah. the african ones or look they're they're all extremely different um mountain like the, the wherever you are there is a mountain culture that is very much local um you can feel it when you're climbing in tanzania it's it's Africa, you know. The yeah. the way that things are in the mountains is very African. Uh, there is singing and there is dancing and there is, you know, that there is this vibe that is very like that is very grounded and rooted in what it is to be in in, in East Africa and, and Africa in general, um, which I find amazing. Equally, when you're in Nepal, for example, you're you're in you're in Asia. You're in the, you know you're in this in this melting pot of Buddhism and Hinduism and all these different crazy incredible beautiful uh cultures that 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 form uh that form the the alpine or the mountain culture over there as well and it's super different because you know in in, in nepal for example um the the buddhists and, and in bhutan as well i just came back from bhutan uh the buddhists there they believe that their gods reside on the tops of these 8,000 and 7,000 meter mountains. Wow. And, uh, and, and that's a very, and, and, and so that informs a very different kind of mountain culture to, let's say, in the Alps in Europe, where going up to the mountains was, uh, started off as being a, an honorable and gentlemanly uh, uh, endeavor that you were doing as part of your, your national duty at some point, uh, you know, in, when, when mountaineering actually was, was in its heyday. Um, 
So it, it really is a very different kind of uh, experience. I think the, I haven't been climbing North America, um, but I can, I could assume that it's taken a lot from the European uh, uh, idea of, of, of the mountaineer because right. there's a very strong influence. Um, but, but you, like, but in, in Europe is very much the center of, um, of Alpine, of Alpine culture in the, in the sense that it was always the Europeans that were seeking to explore those summits. Okay. Even in the Himalayas, you know, when you go to the Himalayas, you'll find that the first people to summit most of, or the, or, or if not to summit, at least have the interest to summit and to, and, and bring on these expeditions were, were largely Europeans. Um, okay. yes, I mean, there, there was always a Sherpa or a, or a local, like for example, I mean, I say Sherpa, but Sherpa is a, is a, is a, uh, a, 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 a clan basically that is specific to the Everest and Kumbu region of, of Nepal. But a lot of people say Sherpa almost as a, as yeah. a, as a way to say local of that region. Um, but yeah, you'll find that, yes, it was, um, Tenzing Norgay and Sir Edmund Hillary that summited Everest first, a, a local yeah, Nepalese yeah, yeah. and and a, and, a, and a New Zealander uh, on a British expedition, um, but it was certainly not you know the Sherpas or Tenzing Norgay who were who were behind the push to reach the summit of Everest. They were because it's not part of their culture to do so. It's actually counter to their culture to seek that, those summits. In fact, even if you go to um, if you go to Nepal till this day, there are mountains that are forbidden to climb. Like for example, Machu Puchari, which is commonly known as the Fishtail Mountain, um, is forbidden. It's forbidden to climb it because oh, they wow. believe that yeah, because they believe that the goddess Shiva um, uh, resides at the top. So, which is which? Which if you go to a town in 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 France or Switzerland or Germany or Austria or Italy, they would think that's crazy because yeah. for them go going to the tops of these mountains is, you know, part of what it means to, to, you know, it's part of human achievement. Yeah, it's yeah. something that's very much part of their culture. So it's very, very different. It's, you know, I can't, uh, um, w w Reynold Messner, a very famous Italian climber, he, uh, he did a fantastic job with this, which is um, he start he started something called the Messner Mountain Museum, which is specifically designed. He's, he set up several of them. Um, I visited a, a couple in Italy, and they're designed to honor the different kinds of mountain culture around the world where he's climbed. Reynold Messner is a very famous um, alpine mountaineer, uh, summiting all of the eight thousand meter mountains, right. uh, actually more than once um, in solo. Uh, he's probably one of the most accomplished climbers that is still alive to this day. Wow. Wow. I mean, you just dropped some knowledge there. You just dropped some fire. <laughs> I, I thought, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought, I mean, I knew you were going to give it a good answer, but I just thought he's going to give some, you know, some, some, you know, a cool answer. It's going to be nice. You just drop some fire there. Learn something new. Nah, in that there whole, you go, uh, right? In the whole new exchange. I got to ask you the most important question though. Okay. Have you ridden a yak? Um, I have not ridden a yak, but I've almost been pushed off a mountain by a yak. <laughs> uh, and actually, and actually, this is crazy. But just yesterday, it's so funny you mentioned that. Just yesterday, I had something called croc yak, which is a croc monsieur. It's a French dish. Okay. So it's, basically, I was in Nepal. I was in Kathmandu, and there's a French restaurant. But rather, and, and croc monsieur is a French, a French uh, like a toast thing that yeah, they yeah, do yeah. with with some cheese. But they made the cheese out of yak milk. Okay. So, so this is so they call it croc yak. So it's funny you mentioned oh, that. Oh wow. Yeah. Yaks are cool, man. Has it ever come with you on an expedition in, in when you were in Nepal or anything? Before? Um, I've never used the yak myself. Um, is that uh, commonly used though? It is commonly used. It's commonly used for if you're doing big expeditions. I'm planning an expedition to Amadablam, and which is a six thousand meter mountain in in the in Nepal. Um, again, not one of the common ones that people will hear about, but a, but a technical mountain. I'll be hopefully doing it um, in alpine style uh, in October, end of October, beginning November. And for that expedition, um, I will probably be using a yak because I'll need to get some stuff up to, to the base camp. Are you going to name um, it? Name the yak? Yes. No, but if you have any suggestions, I will be happy to name it on your behalf. I will, I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I love yaks, man. They're cool. They are, they are cool. They, they're stubborn animals. Um, you, nev you never ever want to, when you're trekking in the Himalayas, this might be good for your, your um, listeners just in case they're ever there. Um, if you happen to be trekking in the Himalayas and you see a yak, never walk 
on the outside of the path. Always walk on the mountainside because the yak will push you, right? Because wow. they like to walk on the outside and they're very stubborn animals. So like I almost got pushed off the mountain <laughs> once and that's no joke. It's really, it's, Fa- it's terrifying. Fabian, if you're listening to this, you have the advice now. Yes. You know, there you go. Remember the, remember the guy I told you who wanted to know about Mont Blanc? And oh, yeah, same, yeah, same yeah. Guy, so, oh, okay, guy. awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll be giving you Greg's details. Yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah. a good point. Yes. That's good memory. So that's going to lead us on to our next thing. Um, life happens outdoors. Hashtag. Awesome, let's, yeah. Let's, let's go there. Yeah, so basically after I decided to leave uh, law and, and then I, I, I dabbled in some other things as well um, in consulting and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and eventually I came to Life Happens Outdoors, which is, um, which is a phrase I used to use just as a kind of something I would say and I thought it was pretty cool. Sounds I'm, like a movie title. Right, it does. That should be your movie. Actually, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. We're working on a Netflix um, series oh my uh, and God. it's entitled Life Happens Again, Outdoors. this guy's just dropping fire. <laughs> He's just dropping fire. Um, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's actually pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, Life Happens Outdoors. It's basically, uh, so, you know, it's, when, when, I was, when I was a larger person, I'm sure most people never thought in a million years that I'd be able to get to where I am today. Um, and I didn't think of that for, of myself either. And I come across a lot of people every day who, um, who don't believe that they can achieve certain things that they want for themselves. And Life Happens Outdoors is very much a vehicle that I've been using to try and help people bridge that gap, to show the person who never thought that they could go up Kilimanjaro that they can, um, and to show the people who never thought they would trek around the Mont Blanc that they can, they can do that too. And, uh, and that's been, uh, it's been incredible that I've been able to do this and, and make it my job, um, where I can also, you know, so my passion is very much connected to my hobby and my work, yeah. um, which, which is, which is, uh, which has been incredible. But, um, yeah, we do at life happens outdoors. We, we do four things. Um, we, uh, we, we take people on, um, on trips that I personally lead around the world. Um, some to, you know, mostly, mostly trekking and mountaineering, but we, we do other things as well. Um, that are all outdoor activity related. I got back from Bhutan yesterday, which was a trekking trip um, uh, to one of the most incredible countries on the planet. How was it? Um, it was amazing. It's just one of the most amazing places in the world. Bhutan is, I will be doing it again next year. This will be one of our every, like our annual things because it's just such an epic place. Nice. Um, it's the only fully Buddhist kingdom that still exists in the world. Um, wow. it's, it's just absolutely wow like i there's nothing i can say to to really to, like put it into into you know into words it's something that you you just have to go and experience um the other thing that we do is we're developing a, a mobile phone app um the idea behind it is to link up people who are looking for outdoor activities to people who are actually doing them and i think it's it, it, was, it was kind of it'll be live on the 20th of may and it was um it was inspired by this whole idea that if you ever wanted to do something like let's say right now i just want to go out and go climbing you've got to know somebody yeah right so and and usually what happens is you end up in this by luck you know a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend leads you to something and i wanted to cut out all that you know wasted time and just say if somebody feels like doing something like when i was 18 i felt like going climbing i should be able to just find the climber find a surfer find a you know find somebody willing to take me and and to give it a shot and that's what this is going to be doing um so i'm really excited about that we also have um life happens outdoors media which is um you just talked about a netflix show yes. so this is part of that um we're also we're basically trying to change the lens on how the outdoors is viewed um, up until now, outdoor content is largely seen through two lenses. It's either through the lens of National Geographic and Discovery, where it's all these epic places that are, you know, wide angled shots of places that you will never afford to visit, right? right? It's all these, you, you watch it on TV because you can never come here. Or through uh, the lens of the Red Bull GoPro athletes, and it's all about the, fit, you know, adrenaline fist pumping this is way too awesome it's for the professionals you yeah. you might die watch this at home because you'll never do it yourself yeah. um we wanted to change that and show real people doing really awesome things that they themselves could uh, achieve and show show it through the the lens of the human transformation outdoors it's where somebody can go from being 110 kilo chain smoking binge drinking nobody into an alpine mountaineer uh, that is accomplished. Um, they can go from being somebody who is at a desk job all the time and then gets anxiety attacks from next to nothing and then suddenly 
finds themselves in kayaks crossing the islands of the Arctic Circle, um, you know, and and finding something an outlet for themselves. These are real people um, doing really awesome things, yeah, and wow. and there and there are so many people out there, but they're not being focused on, and that's what Life Happens Outdoors Media is focusing on now. It's about the human transformation in our most natural environment. I, f- I feel like that you and I then have a lot of things in common in that sense because just the whole podcast oh just by the way if anybody didn't notice the name has changed so i've gone from the everyday athlete dxp to the eda podcast now so a bit of a logo change has come up now and everything just dropping that in there but um no i think i think we had the similar thing what you were trying to show the real people and right you know you're right like you either see the adrenaline pumping athletes of red bull with the gopros going 360 backflips over a mountain into the snow exactly. you know, which you can't really do or those amazingly expensive shots National Geographic Discovery and that whole thing and, and, and there's no focus on that person right. you know, sitting at the desk job like you said and whatnot. And and I feel like what I'm doing and what you're trying to do and what I'm trying yeah. to do it, it, I think kind of in sync I think we're both doing it for kind of the same same reasons the same reasons and the same kind of motivation and the same kind of you know light we're trying to push through what that 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 crux that foundation of people who may have this hidden because you might find the next best climber sitting at a desk job absolutely you know at the age of 25 uh, absolutely you know? You, you know you know it's something i i said recently um there is a there is this funny thing that happens um whenever somebody achieves something in the world like for example when i was in law school the kids above us would always tell us how difficult it was going to be the next year yeah the professors would always tell us how you know i remember one of the, my professors said look to your left look to your right look on our very first day look in front of you look behind you two of the people you just looked at will never get a job in law right so there's this there's this self-validating process that happens with people where when they achieve something they want to tell you how you are not going to be able to achieve it because you know it's so tough and it might very well be tough but the truth of the matter is that if you study hard enough, you're going to get that law degree and you're yeah. also going to get a job. Yeah. The truth is if you put one foot in front of the other, you're going to reach the summit of that mountain. Um, and 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 I, I what I want to do is I want to try and get away from this, my success is contingent on your failure and actually switch the narrative into my success is contingent on your success. I want you to go further than me because I went further than the person before me. And that's and there's a collective human experience. It's not just about me. It's not just about the I, but it's also about the we. Yeah. Um, and, and we can all get somewhere. And I think that that's something that I think the world is changing in that regard. And I think that for the in the outdoors, um, that's one of the vehicles that is enabling this. It's by no means the only one, but it's it's certainly a major one, and I'm you know blessed to be a part of it, and I really want to encourage that. Um, I you know you and you see it you know you see it of course you see it amongst a lot of um, of mount of, of mountaineers as well, not so much in in the mountains where you know in the, the alpine mountaineers, but you'll see it a lot in the seven summiteers where it's kind of yeah we did it, and it's so difficult, and you know there's this cliqueish mentality where uh, you know you it we did it but you can't. Um, and it's actually not like that at all. Uh, the truth is that anybody can do anything that they want. They just have to work for it. Um, yeah. You can't. You, if you're if you're asking me if you can do it while your ass is on the chair and you're you know and you're munching your popcorn and you're watching a movie, no, you can't do it. You're gonna have to work your ass off for it. You really are. Yeah, um, you gotta work hard to play hard, man. No, no, you gotta no, you gotta you gotta work fucking hard. Yeah. Um, because that's what it takes in the world to achieve something. But if you do, you can achieve it. Um, and and I and I I don't accept uh for a second uh people who uh who just wanna you know lie back and think that all oh, the world is uh, is a horrible place and and it's all conspiring against you. There is nobody conspiring against you. You're the only person. Con- conspiring against you just like i was the only person conspiring against myself and you can and 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 don't listen to the people who tell you that they can do it but you can't you really 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 can but you're gonna have to put your back into it um finally this last thing that life happens outdoors do as well we also do some um we also started doing lifestyle apparel so you can buy life happens outdoors t-shirts i'm not wearing one right now you were wearing one though i was gonna bring that up i just i I just noticed that you switched t-shirts i did i did (laughs) i did switch t-shirts i was um yeah i i because I thought this was going to be videotaped. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like my Life Happens Outdoors t-shirt, but I want to keep it clean. 
um, <laughs> but yeah, you can you can you can also get those uh, on on our website, lifehappensoutdoors.com. Um, you can also see everything else we're doing media wise. Uh, you can see what we're doing uh, with our trips. You can join us on trips. Um, you just uh, all you need to do is get onto our website, www.lifehappensoutdoors.com, and you can see everything that we're doing. You can also follow us on Instagram. It's at life happens out. Uh, life happens outdoors right it's a mouthful but yeah. you uh but it's also a tongue twister but uh, try saying that three times fast <laughs> but um uh yeah it's it's you know i don't care i like it yeah, it's, <laughs> no it's amazing it's amazing i mean i think i think you're doing a fantastic job thank and, you and i love the initiative and 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 again i can totally relate to actually weirdly enough after 60 minutes of just listening to you i can relate to you more on 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 so many different levels because they're just just from you know the the overweight part to to, to moving on with your life yeah. and what you're trying to achieve with people I, I really feel like they they align with the both of us and in in in, in whatever parallel way it's it's there oh, and, for sure and, and 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 i can appreciate it completely and it's it's you, it's fantastic you, you don't have to be an outdoorsman uh to understand this theme it's something that you know somebody who ha- Anybody, if you you know whether you're in your career or in your or in your uh, you know if you become a father or any big event in your life, any form of transformation, any anything that kicks you into feeling responsibility for yourself, you know it's the same. It's the same thing. It's uh, it, that's why I said that the outdoors is a vehicle, but it's not the only vehicle. Um, it's ultimately it's about taking responsibility for your life uh, yeah. and and growing up. I feel like our generation. Um, has a problem with that. Uh, we we don't know how to grow up. Uh, we're we're still living in our, you know our, our teenage years, well into our thirties, and I think that's largely because we lived in a world in which, at least growing up, where you know you had participation medals and and you yeah. had and you had you know and and we were told that we can achieve anything we wanted to do, but nobody ever told us how much we had to work for it. Yeah. Right. And I, but I think that now we're starting to wake up. I think yeah. that 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 our that we're starting to wake up to what it is to need to take responsibility in our lives. I think that being outdoors helps you realize that. But I think there are many other ways in which we're starting to realize that. And we might we we may have been a little bit, you know, slow to the start, but but I think that now it's it's starting to pick up. There's an awakening happening, and you can see it around you. And uh, it's exciting to, to see where oh, this totally goes agree, from here. Totally agree. I can definitely see this change in a lot more people. Now, I mean, I just the, the friends that I grew up with, everyone's kind of just suddenly in the last year or two just decided, okay, I'm going to pick it up, and I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do something now. You know, and I, and I agree. I mean, me and I, and I would say a couple of people that I know, we were all in that same thing for a long time, just what we were doing when we were teenagers carried on to our early 20s and then you know and only in the last i want to say two years when i found this what i'm doing now is when i changed is when mentally i just went okay i've i've just realized how much time that i've lost yeah not trying to make that change and and, and just grow yeah and i was living in the past for so long and yeah. now i feel like in the last two years i've grown and changed exponentially you know i i i couldn't imagine sitting here say talking to you two years ago i'd have been like yeah. man you're never going to be able to do that like who are you in front of you know all these people and then just doing this just learning and 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 you know getting successes and some failures and and whatnot and you know i'll take every small win and i'll take every every loss and learn from it and it just motivates me to go further i've actually just been so inspired listening to you here i'm not even joking oh, like, thank i'm you. just literally sat here going I want to go home now. And uh, are we you know, doing that flattering thing again? Yeah, you know, gotta, <laughs> gotta keep, keep you happy, right? <laughs> keep you happy. No, no, for real. Like it's, it's been amazing. You've, you've. I think, I think you're inspiring a lot of people, and uh, I hope you know you continue doing what you're doing, and it becomes a massive success. It's, Thank you. And um, when's the Netflix doc- thing supposed to? Well, we're, we're actually working on the pilot right now. Um, so we're hoping to actually start filming in earnest in January 2019. Um, so I would say you might start to see some stuff by the end of next year, which is awesome. You guys heard it here first. Yes, pretty much. Yes, actually. you guys heard it first. <laughs> yes, I got it first. I, I like how you. I like how you like you heard it here first. first? Uh, question mark. <laughs> yes, you did actually. Uh, Congratulations, you got you it first. Yes, you're welcome. Now, see one of those successes. Just take it forward. Just Absolutely. Keep, keep it moving. Keep it moving. No, but it's been amazing. Uh, I'm gonna get you out of here now. Well, I'm gonna get myself out of here now. I'm in your house. I'm gonna get you out of your house. But uh, no, thank you so much. What are your socials? Where can they find you? 
Uh, where my social? Yeah, your social. Right. So you can find me on uh, on Instagram. That's uh, uh, my personal account is at Rami Rasamni. That's R A M I R A S A M N Y. Um, you can also follow um, Life Happens Outdoors. That's at Life Happens Outdoors on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. And you can also uh, join the community at www.lifehappensoutdoors.com. If any of you want to get in contact with this man, go for it. If you want to tell him you found him through this, through me, that would be great. You know, but um, I think we heard, we've heard some amazing knowledge has been dropped some fire has been has been told you i, I feel like i can pick out so many quotes from this <laughs> and just like, you know, put it up everywhere the content for, for for a while now now but it's been amazing um thank you yeah man it's been great to have you on my and, pleasure uh i hope you enjoyed it i mean after all that setting up thank you fun. for having me you're doing a great job keep doing what appreciate you're doing it, appreciate it anyway ladies and gentlemen um whenever you hear this fantastic I'll be back soon with, hopefully I want to drop one more before Ramadan starts. And then I know it's going to get a bit slow because that's how the UAE is. But um, hopefully you get one more before that. And, you know, let's see where this goes. I'm, I'm just going to take this guy's advice. Keep going and we're going to keep rolling. And I still haven't come up with a closer. I've been trying to come up with a closing, like, thing for the last maybe your thing is that you don't know how to close yeah you know you, know right? you just switch it off. i just kind of switch right? it up like <laughs> anyway you guys know where to find it at eda podcast on itunes instagram just follow subscribe tell your friends tell your grandma tell everyone um and yeah i'll, I'll see you soon